storms brewing. When you, when you look around you, you hear the rain falling. You hear the wind blowing. When you see the storm brewing around you. Start looking for the lightning. When you see the storm, When you see the storm that's brewing in the world around us, start looking for the lightning. Here's, here's what Matthew 24 says. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 26, it says, So if they say to you, Look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. And if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures gather. Do you hear it this morning? Did you hear it this morning? For as the lightning comes from the east, and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. When you hear the storm's winds and you see the rain falling and you see the turmoil in this life, when you see the depravity of humanity, when you see the carnality of man, when you see the the signs of the times unfolding all around us, start looking for the lightning Because soon, soon and very soon, the King is coming. Soon and very soon, the lightning of His coming, the flashing of His light will flash across the sky. And you and I will be taken out of this world. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, I thought that would get a better shout than that. I I thought there was some people here at Celebration Church this morning who are excited and anticipating the coming of the Lord. He's coming. Just as the lightning flashes across the sky, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It will be a quick coming. It will be a suddenly and swift, unexpected coming. In the midst, the Bible says, of false predictions. There will be people saying, here is his coming. There he is. Look for him there. He's in the inner room. He's he's over here. He's over there. This is the time. This is the hour. The Bible says that no man knows the hour. But there will come people in in these last days who will be making false predictions and false teaching. The Bible says that many will fall away into deception. He says here that wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Just as desperate vultures gather around roadkill, so it will be at the time of the judgment of the Son of Man. There will come, just as the vultures are desperate, so is the unleashing of of the judgment of God. The, The desperation of God's judgment on fallen humanity will gather around, just as vultures gather around decaying, rotting flesh. His time's coming. The the day and the hour of His coming is quick and it is upon us. Just as the lightning flashes across the sky quickly and illuminates the earth. 
the flash of his coming will be quick and every eye quickly will behold it. It will be quick in a moment, in a twinkling. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment. Say that with me, in a moment. I love that word, in a moment. The word there, in a moment, is, is the word atomos in the, in the Greek. It's, it's the word for instantaneous, atomic second, a moment that cannot be divided, change. And in a flash, in an atomic second, you and I, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Say that with me. I shall be changed. <laughs> Woo, there's coming today, friend, in a twinkling, in, a, in an atomic second, in a moment, in a moment that cannot be divided. You and I, in this, in this life, the natural mortal body that we are in, in shelled in this tent that you and I wear will be changed from this natural mortal self to immortality. And in that moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be caught up with him. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable, verse 53, this body, this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus came and conquered death. Every single one of us are under the curse of death. Every single one of us. He's conquered death, but, but we, haven't, we haven't stepped into the fullness of this victory yet. We've... We are not separated from him in death, but we haven't stepped into the fullness of the victory over death. But there is coming a day, friend, where that trumpet is going to announce and proclaim the final, the final victory over death. And it will be said in that moment, death, where is your victory? You and I, in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, in that flash of lightning moment, that, that thing that has held on to us, the one thing that we have yet to be fully liberated from will be absolutely obliterated. And the hold of gravity that is upon you and I will let loose in that moment. The, the constraints and the confines of this world will break off of my natural body because I will be transformed. I will be changed into immortality. I will be changed like Him. I will take on the glorified body of Christ, of that nature. And in that moment, everything in this life that holds on to me will let loose. And Jesus Christ himself will grab me up by the collar of my shirt. Mm, he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks, verse 56, 57, but thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have victory. Tell somebody next to you, say, you have victory in Jesus. <laughs> I have victory. Come on, tell somebody, you have victory in Jesus. The sting of death is broken off of your life. Come on, tell him. Say, the sting of death has been broken off of your life. You haven't seen the fullness of it yet, but it's coming. Come on, tell somebody. Say, you haven't seen the fullness of it yet, but that day's coming. The trumpet's going to sound, and the dead are going to be raised imperishable. You and I are going to put on immortality, and the, and the stronghold of death is going to be broken off your life. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, somebody, somebody ought to praise the Lord this morning. Somebody ought to praise Him. Somebody ought to thank Him that there's a day written in the books of heaven. There's a day on the agenda of God where you and I are going to be liberated from this life. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, This we declare to you. I'm telling you this morning by the word of the Lord is what it says. I'm preaching to somebody this morning is what Paul was writing. He said, Those we who are alive and left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> For the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. For the Lord Himself. He's not, he's not sending a, a, another angel. He's not sending another messenger. His, <laughs> he's coming Himself. He's <laughs> the Lord Himself. <laughs> he's been He's been hanging out in heaven waiting for this day. You do, 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 you, do you remember when Jesus was enjoying the Last Supper, his, his Last Supper with His disciples, and He said to them, I'm not going to eat this again with you until that day when we sit down in heaven together. Jesus, Jesus has been waiting on a celebratory feast. <laughs> He's, Jesus has been waiting. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I get really excited when I when I know that I'm going to have a big, big feast. Like if, I, if I'm fixing a big dinner, it's a big celebration. We're having people over. We're whatever we're doing. And, the house is clean, the food's ready, the dishes are all, we've got the fine dishes out, not the paper plates or Tupperware. We've got the nice stuff out. We're ready to rock and roll. I look forward to that. I can barely make it a full eight hours until, I, I just love that. I, I love to eat good food. I love it. I love to eat, it even gets better when I get to eat good food with good people. It just makes it better. Anybody with me? Jesus has been waiting for over 2,000 years for, for this celebration feast. He's been, he's been waiting for you to step into heaven with Him, to sit down to enjoy the Feast of the Ages. It's not going to be like any other feast. It's not going to be that, that last feast, the last time He had this, this supper, the last time He had this celebration you got to remember, he was on his way to Calvary. The last time he had this, this supper, he was, he was on his way to be beaten, to, to have his flesh ripped and torn, to have people mock him, 
to carry a cross to Golgotha's hill. The last time he had a feast, he, he had the joy of his crucifixion waiting for him. But there's, there's the joy set before him that he endured the cross. It was, it was the day. It was the day of the ages. <laughs> it was the day of the ages, that great day where the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise. And then we who are alive and remain, the Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He had the day of the ages on his mind. And the, right now, as he's praying for you, as he's, as he's waiting for that day, he's got that day on his mind right now. Do you know that? That Jesus has got that great day when you and I are going to sit down and celebrate the feast of the ages. The celebration of his coming. The celebr what was what was let me just pause what was the Passover feast what was the last supper celebrating after all it was the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt do you hear me oh you, you I don't think you do I, I don't I don't think you I don't think you really I think you heard me but you really didn't hear me it was the it was the deliverance of the Israelites from the bondage of the Egyptian slavery There's, there's coming a day, friend, when he's, we are going to sit down with him at the celebration of the ages and rejoice in our ultimate victory. There's coming a day where we're going to sit down together with him and rejoice of our final permanent deliverance from the Egyptian slavery of this life, the death and sin and the strongholds and the... My God, somebody needs to shout. Somebody needs to get on their feet this morning and praise the Lord with me. My God, God, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I know there's coming a day, my friend, where I'm going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. My God, and I'm going to have a rejoice. I'm going to have a rejoice. I'm going to have a rejoice. Not because I'm having a heavenly feast, but because I'm there. I've been delivered from the bondage of this life. I've been delivered from the stronghold of sin and death. The hell and grave has been broken off of my life. Thank God for his victory. Thank God for his victory. That's why he's looking forward to that day. Sit down, I gotta go on. That's why he's looking forward to that day. That's why, my friend, Jesus is sitting on the edge of his throne. I hear the chariots getting ready. I hear the horses getting ready. I hear the trumpeters fixing their call. I hear the angels talking about. I hear the breeze of heaven's eternal. I feel his breeze blowing across my soul this morning. Eternity's near, friend. The day of the ages is upon us. The day of his coming is upon us. I'm looking forward to that day. It's coming quick, like the flashes of the lightning across the sky, it's coming.
So when you see the storm, when you see the storm, oh, don't get sidetracked by the wind that's blowing. Don't get your eyes on the rain and the hurricane winds that are blowing through your life. Just keep your eyes. Jesus, I said it last week. Jesus said, look up. Your redemption draws near. Keep your eyes on the sky because he's coming. His coming is coming at an appointed time. Just as the flashes of lightning across the sky, it's an appointed time. In Mark 13, Jesus said, but concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father. And he says this in verse 33, this is really powerful. Be on guard. Be on guard. Keep awake. You don't know when the time will come. I think about the hurricane that just hit Lake Charles, Louisiana. It came in. I don't know if you've ever been in a hurricane. But if you can imagine, you have to think about this. This hurricane was moving somewhere around 15 miles an hour, slow moving and had the, the force winds of an F2 to F3 tornado. So if you can think about an F2 or an F3 tornado sitting on you with a deluge of water on top of that, with 20 to 30 foot, we're talking two to three story building surge of water coming in upon you, overtaking you. You got the image. Welcome to hurricane land. And it came in the middle of the night. It came in the night. Had they not been ready, had the warning systems not been in place, had the the weather, the media, news stations, the weather, all all of our predictions, all of these things, had it not been in place, Had they not had the warning, people would have lost their life. They wouldn't have been prepared. Buildings wouldn't have been boarded up. Places wouldn't have been evacuated that needed to be evacuated. And the the waters would have risen, taking people away. And the winds would have destroyed buildings on top of people. If you've seen any of the, the videograph, photograph footage of all of those things, it's destroyed. Jesus says to us, keep awake, for you don't know when the time will come. I think about, when I hear that, I think about the, tor- the, the hurricane moving in at night. When you're not ready, when you're least expecting it, when you're not prepared, he's coming. When everybody says, as it was in the days of Noah, let's just give in to our revelry selves. Let's just party. Let's just go about life. He's not coming after all. If he was coming, he would have already been. That's what 2 Peter addresses in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter wrote, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder 
that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing that, listen to this, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days and what are they doing? They do what they do best. What are they doing? They're scoffing. They're mocking. They're making fun. Following, what does it say? Their own sinful desires. And they'll say, what are they saying? What's the scoffing and the mocking that they're doing? It says, they will say, verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And Peter says, not so, verse 5. They deliberately overlook this fact. That the he- do you- <laughs> Boy, that sounds like this generation, if I've ever heard it. They deliberately overlook this fact. Let that sink in for a moment. That's pretty, that, that, that will preach. Scoffers, mockers, deliberately overlooking the facts. Anyway, I'll just keep going. <laughs> that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient. Everybody say that, patient. The word there is, he is long-suffering. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. But he's long-suffering towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should, should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There's, there's a day, an appointed day, in the date book of heaven. To you and I, we will be surprised. Jesus talked about that two men would be at the mill, one taken, one left. Two women would be working, one taken, one left. There's, there's a theme throughout Scripture of this coming of Christ when we're least expecting it. And it will flash across the sky like lightning. So how are you and I to live in light of this, we ought to be ready for his coming. We ought to live ready. Tell somebody next to you, say, live ready. I don't think everybody said it. Say, live ready. In Luke 12, verse 40, it says, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 2, it says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus said in Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Living ready. 
living ready, living ready, being clothed with your wedding garments, not caught off guard, not surprised. If you go back to 2 Peter, chapter 3, if you have your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. I love this passage of scripture. Peter teaches us how to prepare and live for his coming. His coming will be like the flash of lightning across the sky, Jesus said. It's coming quicker in an atomic second, in a moment. In a moment that we least expected, and in a moment that God knows, the Father knows. In a moment where the Father knows. An appointed time. You know, we go about life. We've got our calendars. We've got our date books. We've got our our agenda, our task. We've got our work schedules. We've got our kids' schedules. We've got all of our. We've got it all mapped out. We've got it all planned out. And if there's one thing that I think COVID could teach us, I think there's a lot of things COVID could teach us. But I think if there was, there's one of the things COVID could teach us is how in a moment of time, everything changes. You have your schedules, you have your life, you have your plan, you have your agenda. In one moment, all of it changes. We have to remember that this life is not our home. We have to remember that our accomplishments, our successes, our efforts and our endeavors in this life are meaningless in the light of eternity. That's why Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven. That's why Jesus told us that we ought to store up our treasure. What is valuable to you and I? What is is that of eternal value? I thank God for the successes in this life, the accomplishments in this life. But in the light of eternity, all of it's going to burn. The only thing that will matter, good God, the only thing that will matter is how you use those opportunities in this life to affect eternity. It's the only thing that will matter, friend. We get so temporal focused. And I want to shift maybe this morning your focus back to eternity. That the only thing that will matter in eternity with any of your earthly success, any of your earthly happenings, is what you did with them in the light of eternity. If all you do is to have success for the sake of success in this life, if all you do is have a job and work and pay your bills and all you do is a good moral person you could be a great moral loving generous person but in the light of eternity all of it will burn all of it will burn I think sometimes people get, we've, we've gotten so worried that if we become so heavenly minded that we would be no earthly good. And I think we've gotten so earthly minded that we are of no heavenly value.
we've lost all of our sight of eternity. We've lost all of our care and concern about the eternity of others. 2 Peter 3 says this, since all things are thus to be dissolved. <laughs> I love it. Peter says, this is all going to burn by fire. It's all going to be dissolved. All of this, say all of these things. Your car, your home, the, the nature parks, this church building. For all you people who told me this building will never burn because it's made of cinder block. <laughs> it's gonna dissolve one of these days. <laughs> and I'll get the last laugh when that happens. <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting at the dinner table in heaven and I'm gonna yell down, Jen, you see that? <laughs> I told you it'd burn. <laughs> for, the, for, for those of you, it's a little bit of a joke that <laughs> this building is, it, it has its challenges, all this concrete. It's great if you're in a storm. <laughs> Since all these things are being dissolved, they're going to they're gonna burn. Peter asked this question, what sort of people ought you to be? Have you ever asked yourself that? In the light of eternity, what kind of person should I be? In the light of everything in this world being consumed by fire, everything that I work so hard at, I mean, man, think about this. Your job, every, that place you go to every day and work, some of you might be doing it from home, that place too. The place you live, the place that you value so much, the place where you raised your kids and you have all the memories, the place where maybe you are raising your kids and you're having, having memories of those kids, maybe the childhood memories of you growing up and your childhood home and all the, everything, the place that you go to find enjoyment and maybe it's the nature parks or enjoying creation whatever it is the beach wherever you go and find man this is just a great place there's coming a day where it all is going to burn and so peter says what kind of people should you be knowing this what kind of people should you be well, the reason, the motivation for what I'm doing and the determination for what I'm doing changes. Did you hear me? The motivation for why I do what I do and the determination to do it changes. With a carnal mindset, with a mindset wrapped up in this world, I do what I do to get a paycheck, to be successful, to build a home, to have a good family, to have a good life, to take care of my kids, to take care of my family. Does anybody hear me this morning? But all of a sudden, when I recognize it's all going to burn anyway, 
my motivation and my determination changes. It's no longer rooted in the fact that I'm a good person, that I'm a good dad, that I've taken care of things. It's whether or not I know Jesus Christ. It's whether or not my kids know Jesus. It's whether or not there's an eternal investment. Are they living for Christ? Are they passionate for Jesus? That's the, pro- that's the paramount. That's, that's the precedent that has to be set. That's the precedent. Everything else is lanyard. Everything else is extra. But that's that's first and foremost. Let's listen, let's, let's listen to what Peter teaches us. He says, waiting for, well, let me back up. He says, you ought to be in lives of holiness. Uh-oh. Y'all getting quiet on me now. Holiness. Say it. Say it with me. Holiness, it's still in the Bible. That word's still there. I know people are trying to take it out and tell you you can live how you want. But the word is still the word. (laughs) Still there. Holiness is still in your Bible. Ought to live holy and in godliness. I'm going to come back to that. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. (laughs) Therefore, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. I want to pause there and I want to reflect on some of what Peter teaches us here. The first thing that he tells us is that we ought to be people living lives of holiness. The word holiness there means that we ought to be set apart to the Lord. We're holy. In the, in the Old Testament tabernacle, in the, in, the, in the temple, when something was set apart or it was said that it was holy, it had a special use and purpose. You couldn't, you couldn't take the laver and just take it out and, and make it the general public washing station. It wasn't, it wasn't the, pu- the public wash. It was there in the tabernacle, in the tent, in the temple, set apart as holy to the Lord for the Lord's purposes and the Lord's doing. In other words, you could not profane the things that were of the Lord. If you remember, Nadab and Abihu tried that. Does anybody remember Nadab and Abihu? They tried to profane the work of the Lord. And what happened? They died. The the Levitical priest understood the importance of this. So much so that tied into their garments were little jingly bells. So that when they would go into the most holy place, if those bail, if if all of a sudden you went from jingle 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 to jingle jingle jingle, jingle boom, <laughs> sounded like Santa Claus on the roof. You got a problem, and the problem was he was dead, and they'd use the rope tied to his foot and drag him out. Bury him out back with the rest. Why? Because he went in 
profaning the holy place. We, we have this wonderful gift in the day in which we live under our covenant called mercy and grace. That we don't experience that, but the reality of that judgment is still very true. The judgment of that was placed on Christ. The judgment of our sin was on Christ. But the reality that you and I have been called out to holiness and the work and the effect of grace to make us holy is still very real. Did you hear me? We have mercy and that we are not consumed, but we have grace and that we are transformed. The other word he uses here is godliness, a different word. It means to walk in view of God's light, that we are to live this life recognizing that we are walking under the light of heaven, God's light. His light is shining down on me. His grace is upon me, His mercy, all of those things, but His light, I'm walking in, in view of God's light. Everywhere you go, recognize it. God's with me today. I'm, walk, I'm walking holy. I'm walking set apart to the Lord, and His light, His goodness is upon me. His, his mercies are upon me. His joy is upon my life. His peace is upon my life. He's shining down on me right now. I know it's easier to say than do sometimes, but you, you and I need to be reminded of the work. His light is shining down on you everywhere you go. And how does that change how you walk? Oh my goodness. And then he goes on to say, living lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for, some translations say looking for. The word there is to be expecting. The Greek is that you're, you're expecting His coming. Christmas is coming in four months. I'm expecting. December 25th, December, I, I can't wait. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I was looking on Facebook and one of the one of the Christmas stores had opened up and they've got all their sales and everything. You could get, I don't know, whatever it was. I was like, oh, Christmas stores. Well, how can we decorate this year for Christmas? Can we put up three trees this year? Where are we gonna put the third? Oh, we do have three. We do have three. I'm sorry, we've got Zoe's. She's got the little, yeah, we do have three. We gotta have four. So the fourth one, where does the fourth one go? Zoe had to have a Christmas tree in her room, so we have a little small Christmas tree for Zoe. So now we need four. What is, you understand? You get excited. What am I going to buy for everybody? What gifts am I going to get? Four months out, I got to start looking for the sales. Anybody else do that besides just where you start? Some of you, some of you are not. Some of you look like Scrooges this morning. Oh, my goodness. Enjoy your pumpkin spice, but peppermint mocha lattes are coming too so it's okay there's coming a day and I'm expecting I'm expecting my heart is longing remember the day when you got married 
and you were expecting, what was that gonna look like? I hadn't seen, of course, most of the time you don't see your bride's dress. I hadn't seen Heather's dress. I'd heard about it. I'd heard about her going to the jewelry store and making her jewelry and doing all this stuff. And heard about it. You do your rehearsal, you kind of get ready, you practice for it, you do your run-throughs and you try it all out, make sure it all works. But there's something about the big day. You could have practiced, you could have practiced your vows, you could run through it a million times in your head, you can sing the songs, you can do all the right stuff, but there's something about the big day. And you're just, you're expecting, what's it going to be like? What's it going to look like? I mean, Zoe is already thinking about her wedding day as a little girl. You know, she's expecting, you know, she's talking about her, her wedding day. I'm like, baby girl, you're not getting married. You're married to daddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That day's not going to happen. We can walk down the aisle together, though. <laughs> be great. Any boy you bring to this house has to meet shotgun. That's okay. And he's not our dog. <laughs> that was funny. Come on now. Somebody needs to laugh. That's funny. There's an expectancy. There's, a, there's an anticipation, expectation for that day that's coming. And then when it happens, it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. All the emotions, all the preparation, all the planning, all the... All the work that goes into that day. And then it happens like, oh, it's here. And it happens. There's coming a day, friend, where Jesus, our bridegroom, is coming. I'm expecting that day. I'm looking forward to that day. He goes on to say that we are to be hastening. That word does not, there's a lot of misinterpretations of this this word. Let me just correct some misinterpretations here. There's, there are those who will teach that by our eagerly awaiting or our expectation, we speed up the coming of the day. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I've heard it. I've heard it taught a lot, actually. But if you go and you study that word, it does not mean that we are hastening doesn't mean that we are speeding up the, His coming. It means that we are waiting with haste. The word there that we, means that we wait with haste and eager desire. It's to make haste. Like, you'll see it, the same word used throughout Scripture, to make haste, to get in a hurry about something, to make, make it important, to make it urgent. So we make urgent the coming of the Lord. It's top priority for us. We're waiting with diligence. We're waiting with great desire. It has great prominence in our life. We talk about it. Well, I, I grew up, I, forgive me if I'm being nostalgic, but I grew up at a church in, in a day where we talked about, saying about, and it was on our, on our conversation quite frequently about the coming of the Lord. I, I think as I look back to some of those saints that I grew up with, that the coming of the Lord was more real to them than this present world. And there was a reason why they talked about it all the time, because they were waiting for it, and it was more real than this world. And so it became very natural conversation just to talk about Jesus and his coming because that's where they lived. 
I want to maybe in my nostalgic moment challenge us that that ought to be where we live. That ought to be the urgent, important of our life. That Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. If you look through the New Testament and you read the accounts of the apostles, they talked and lived 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years after the crucifixion as if Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. It was real to them. So we're hastening. Peter tells us to be found in peace. (laughs) Be found in peace. Not turmoil, not striving, not in anguish, anxiety, depression, worry. Peace! Without spot, blameless, no soil on your garments. Wedding garments are white and spotless, ready for the wedding day. And then Peter uses, I'm not going to unpack all of this, I don't have the time, but Peter uses this word in verse 15. He says, count the patience. I love that, count the patience. like those who are scoffing and saying, where is his coming? In an effort to pursue their own sinful desires. But when you think over the years that it's been, think about and consider his long suffering. The word that is used there, the Lord's long suffering, I'm going to teach you something you've probably never heard because modern preachers don't like to talk like this. So I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna challenge you and it might rock your world, but I'm gonna give you the Bible. Y'all know that I preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. So I'm gonna give you the truth. Are you ready? The word long suffering there is the same word to describe the delay of bringing about judgment or vengeance. When we think about the long suffering, we think about God's patient and he's so kind and he is. But in this, we also have to recognize that he is delaying his judgment. And the that his mercy might just be displayed on the generation. I want you to think about that. That, that his, yes, he's a loving God and he's, he is mercy. And in this we see his mercy displayed. His great mercies. And it even says that he is not wanting that any should perish. The long-suffering nature of the Lord. But I also need to read to you Romans chapter 9. This Romans chapter 9 is connected to this verse. And you need to hear Romans chapter 9 as Paul taught us about the long-suffering nature of the Lord concerning his judgment. 
He says, what if? This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 22. Paul says, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. Some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor, would you just read? I didn't catch it. Put the verse back up, please. This is really, this is a really, really powerful verse. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? In other words, the reason of God's long suffering is twofold. The reason we read in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 to count the patience of our Lord as salvation, two reasons. One is that he is long suffering to show towards the vessels of wrath his judgment. That means just as you and I, of vessels of mercy, those who are His, the vessels of mercy, just as you and I have been prepared to receive His mercy. What's the point of a vessel? I think it's unique that Paul uses this term. The point of a vessel is that you pour something in. You're putting something in. So I have mercy after mercy after mercy after mercy after mercy being poured into my life. I don't know if anybody can testify this morning as you woke up today that the mercies of the Lord are upon your life. His mercies are new every morning. Thank God I've got mercy after mercy after mercy being poured into my vessel. You could see it demonstrated in your life. If you look back over the course of your life, you see the mercies of the Lord being poured out upon your life. But there are those, go back to that verse, there are those, it says it, vessels of wrath. And just as the mercies of God are poured upon us, the wrath of God is being stored up layer upon layer upon layer upon layer for the day of judgment. The wrath of God, His judgment upon humanity and creation because of sin. We want to hear about the mercies of God. We want to hear about His goodness and how my vessel's being full of mercies. But just as His mercy is being stored up for the demonstration of the day of the ages. So is His judgment being stored up for the day of ages. Oh yeah, if you go read the revelation of Jesus in the book of Revelation, in one point it describes, I don't mean to be graphic, but but you got to hear this. It describes the vengeance of God to the degree that the blood flowed in the streets to the top of a horse's belly like a river. The judgment of the Lord. 
And so why do I say that? I'm not trying to get you depressed and in a bad mood. I just want you to know the reality of the truth. The judgment is coming. The day of the Lord is coming like a flash of lightning across the sky. It's coming. And I am the recipient. I am the benefactor of the mercies of the Lord. And knowing that, knowing that, I have a responsibility to declare and to urge and to proclaim with great urgency the coming of his judgment. That there is mercy to be had, but judgment is coming. There's great grace and mercy in this hour, but the day of his coming is soon. What is the gospel message? I'll wrap up with this. Worship team, you can come back. Jesus still saves. He still saves. There's there's still time. The door on the ark is not yet shut. God has yet to shut the door. Noah and the animals and the family were in the ark, and God shut the door, shut them in. The day of judgment has not yet come, but it is coming. Jesus talked about the persecution and the tribulation that we would face, but there would be a day of, the Bible says Jesus' word, great tribulation that you and I would be delivered out of, but there would be a day of tribulation for you and I, but we would be delivered out of before great tribulation. Judgment's coming. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but, but I want say, Pastor, what do you mean when we're talking about counting the long-suffering? I get, I understand godliness, holiness, living at peace, being spotless, blameless. But what do you mean about long-suffering towards salvation? What does that look like? That every day that he hasn't come back, the salvation work of God is having its effect in your life. You're being changed. You're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. This outward tent, though we are groaning, Paul talked about for the revelation for that day when this body will put on immortality. I'm waiting for that day. But even as I wait, I'm being changed. I'm being transformed from one place of glory to the next. The reality of being changed into his image. And number two, I have a responsibility to tell others. I have a responsibility to to make others aware of his mercy and the goodness of God. That there's coming a day where his wrath and his judgment will not be restrained. And the floodgates that have held back the day of judgment will be released and every drop of his vengeance will be poured out. But until that day, it's a day of mercy, it's a day of his great grace, it's a day of his joy, it's a day of his delight. Today is the day of the salvation of the Lord. Today is the day.